Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. This is the podcast where if you haven't been paying attention all week, and I'll be honest, I was not paying attention until I started preparing for this episode of the podcast, you don't have to worry about it. We'll catch you up, whether it's the news or what's been going on in the world of pop culture or an interesting person you should know about. I will make sure you are absolutely up to date. Hope you had a good week. If not, no worries. We will march on together, one foot in front of the other. That's all we can do. I've been... I think it's fair to say I've been a shell of a human being this week after Primavera. Um, I just absolutely tore the arse out of it, you know, and um, is that wise? Did I need to stay at the festival every night until 5 or 6 a.m.? No. Did I do it anyway? Yes. Is that an integral part of who I am? Also, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Just like was having so much fun. And I think I thought that once I kind of became a parent and I don't know, got to be 40, I would like cut back on that stuff. But actually I have have even more of an appetite because, you know, you don't get to do it as often as you used to. So when you do have the freedom to to go hog, uh, well, I I really do. And I don't feel like that's ever going to leave me. Um, And I'm starting to make peace with that. Um, But yeah, God, I've been tired since I got home. I mean, I was tired to begin with and now I'm like fully properly exhausted, but that's okay. It's okay. It's worth it. Um, And I'll be back to normal soon. Um, And I'm still managing to, you know, get what I need done, done. And um, I'm just having really, really long sleeps. Anyway, what I love about Primavera is that it is a festival that takes place in the city of Barcelona. It's actually also in Madrid this year. Uh, But because it's in the city, there's no camping or anything. You know, you book your own accommodation. We always stay in an apartment with friends. And then you have the day to kind of play with. Although, obviously, if you're staying up until six o'clock in the morning, you might not be doing too much playing with the day. But we usually use the time to kind of go and get some nice food or have a wander around Barcelona. I've been there loads of times now. So I do a little less sightseeing now than I used to do. Um, But you get to be in this absolutely beautiful city the people are great the food is amazing and then you get to go and see brilliant music at nighttime 
And the lineup this year, as always, was excellent. I think my highlights were Rosalia, who I've been dying to see. She is a Spanish artist. Um, she has a show that she's been touring for her album Moto Mami, which is just, like for me, it's next level. Every single aspect of it is so carefully thought out. It's up there with Beyonce for me. I just think she is incredible. I would absolutely love to go and see her again. Also really loved Self-Esteem, who I saw a few months ago in Dublin and will be going to see as part of the Mother Block Party for Pride. And um, She just... I just absolutely love her show. Um, then, you know, we got to see Blur, who were really, really fun. Um, loads of people. Lots of crock. But yeah, shell of a human being now. Um, other than that, what's been going on? Well... I watched the Vanderpump Rules, the third part of the finale. Wasn't that blown away by the big reveal of what the, no spoilers here, but what the big reveal of the kind of seismic shift piece of information that was going to come to light in it. I did think it was quite vicious. It was kind of uncomfortably vicious at times, just because I think it's always hard to watch people be... And kind of, um, I don't know, the phrase ganged up on feels kind of unfair in a way. But whenever there's like a group against one or two people, it's kind of uncomfortable to watch. And obviously, you have to keep in mind that the these reunions were filmed when things were still very, very fresh. And so the feelings are very strong. And Ariana certainly went hard. They all went hard on uh, Tom and Raquel. And I think it was kind of hard to watch. But I guess we need to keep in mind the context and the timing of it all. And I really hope that everyone can kind of move on now. I, for one, I'm ready. I don't know about you. Um, and I'm sure the people who are actually involved in the situation are also ready. Um, good to see Ariana continuing to make bank, though, I have to say. Um, just a little reminder of the Patreon. Patreon exists. Um, it is a way for you if you want to financially support the podcast. I am super grateful for it. It makes it a lot easier for me to focus on the podcast and this work. Um, I still have loads of ideas that I'm hoping to follow through on. Um in terms of increasing the episodes. And I have other little podcast ep episode ideas, podcast series ideas that I'm hoping to work on soon. Um, so if you want to join the Patreon, it's at patreon.com forward slash catch up with Louise Makshari. There are also bonus episodes there. There will be a new bonus episode out next week, which will feature my responses to your comments and messages. So if you have them, do send them in 089-209-6423. That's 089-209-6423. I would love to hear your take on Scandal. I'd love to hear your take on the reunion. I'd love to hear your take on absolutely anything if there's something you just want to hear my opinion on I would be happy to give it so do send a voice note and um, you'll hear all of those responses in the next Patreon episode now let's get on with it it's time to catch up on the week's news with Aoife Moore Aoife Moore great to be back in your humble abode once again sorry it's I feel like it's actually kind of slagging to say humble abode but I don't mean oh, I don't think so. it's it's a beautiful home uh, a humble rented abode <laughs> Um, we've got lots to talk about in the news this week and I have been well and truly plugged out because I was in Barcelona so I really really need your assistance in catching up on the week's news mm -hmm. let's start with what's going on with this dam that was de destroyed in Ukraine yeah this is absolutely horrendous so there's a huge dam uh, in southern Ukraine that was destroyed and um, they reckon it was bombed Ukraine have blamed Russia Russia have blamed Ukraine um, so thousands and th uh, over nearly 2,000 people were evacuated um, and everyone else left on their own. It's near a kind of small city with about 45,000 people in it. Um, so basically this huge dam that separated this river burst after it was attacked. Um, and the dam itself is under Russian occupation, but it flooded under Ukraine. So obviously without, when you look at the normal damage that a, that a dam would create when it explodes, so like houses have been ruined and towns mm -hmm. have been flattened, 
that's one thing. Um, we're, they're not aware of any deaths that have taken place yet, but they're very concerned um, about wildlife and disease. Mm. So there was a zoo in the small city and all the animals drowned and died because obviously when people are evacuating, they're evacuating human beings first. All the animals died. Um, other parts of the river have completely drained out. So I've seen, you know, TikToks and videos from journalists on the ground where like there are just dead fish everywhere. Oh, because the, the river has drained out. Um, and this is a war crime. Mm-hmm. So under the Convention of Human Rights, you're not allowed to bomb dams mm-hmm. um, and civilian, you know, places. And Ukraine have said this absolutely was not us. Why? Um, I mean, it wouldn't make sense for them to do that. They. It, so what Putin says is that Ukraine does this to make him look bad. As if he needs help to look bad. Yeah. <laughs> so they said the, the dam operator said that it was fully destroyed and could not be restored. Um, it's unclear when exactly the dam was first damaged, but satellite images suggest a condition deteriorated over a number of days. And it's basically a human and natural disaster. Now, because of this, there is also... The river has been contaminated with 150 tonnes of industrial lubricant. And Vladimir Zelensky said another 300 tonnes are at risk of leaking. Agricultural land has been washed away. Flood and local farmland will be felled for years. And now, landmines have been dislodged by floodwaters. So, as if it wasn't dangerous enough, with like you could drown, get disease, there's dead animals in it. There are also landmines that have been dislodged um, and they are going to float downstream into the bigger cities. Um, So... The the only thing is that no one has died because of this, yeah. but Russia started shelling the next day into the area where it happened. So one person died there, which I think is like something close to a miracle because if only one person has died. Yeah. No one has verified either which way who damaged the dam. Um, but they have also said that because this part of Ukraine has actually seen a lot of war through the USSR and stuff, they said that um, structural failure resulting from the impact of earlier damage associated with war remains a possibility. Um, but uh, Zelensky says that the international community is not reacting fast enough to the flooding and he said that people don't have drinking water, food and medicine and it is impossible to know that how many people are going to die. Well, this is the thing. So nobody's died yet. yet. But One there person will be because of the, the shelling. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, the, the fallout is inestimable, I presume. Yeah, and he said that the Red Cross are losing the ability to save lives um, and the World Bank had to step in and said they would conduct a rapid assessment of the damage and Ukraine's most urgent needs and then it'll be up to the international community then to put the money in to fix it. As if things aren't hard enough for the people of Ukraine. Like, mm-hmm. it just feels so vicious and like insult to injury i can only imagine the despair of those people war crime you know we've we've seen civilian areas bombed at night we've seen hospitals attacked we've seen you know maternity hospitals attacked um that's what people are saying that i was listening to a bbc bar telegraph podcast this morning about ukraine and they were saying that putin's now at the stage where he's just wrecking the place yeah because he'll make it so impossible to live in ukraine that no one will want to be in ukraine and that's part of his, that they reckon part of his strategy as well. I saw someone raise the question of peace talks um, this week online and like why we aren't seeing peace talks. But like, I mean, how could they possibly find peace? It's, um, 
Ukrainians take issue with that because they say, you know, why is it up to them to negotiate with their hostage taker? Um, this is this man has Putin has in their view. Um, actually, I think in most people's view, committed war crimes. So it really shouldn't be up to them to come to the table. Mm. Um, it should be the international community and NATO, which Russia is a part of and Ukraine is not, to come to Russia and talk to Putin. Mm. Because what you're doing then is you're equating Ukraine with Russia and they don't want... Yeah. The, what they're doing is defensive, not offensive. Well, yeah, because a lot of people... I know that there's even an argument about using war as a word to describe the, what's happening mm-hmm. there because it was an invasion mm-hmm. um, rather than something that two people yeah. voluntarily kind look, of entered into. When you look at you know peace talks in other countries, so whether it was like Colombia or Northern Ireland or even with the Taliban, there's a political aim there that might yeah. be able to be worked out. Whereas with Russia, they are like Ukraine has already said, absolutely not. Mm. There's no willingness there and neither should there be. Yeah. Okay, well, it goes on. And unfortunately, there is really no end in sight there. So I'm sure we will come back to it. Now, let's talk about this report in terms of prisons and mental health in Ireland. Yeah, some prisoners um, in Ireland are waiting up to 900 days to access mental health support. It's basically been called a postcode lottery, or depending on what prison you're actually in in Ireland. Mm. Um, So I think I always find stuff like this really frustrating because when you look at prison systems around the world when prisoners have access to adequate mental health services they are less way less likely to reoffend yeah to become dangerous to society yeah so when you look at you know scandinavian countries like norway and sweden um they have great prison systems and their recidivism rate is really low so in ireland we're not doing that mm-hmm. um so the irish prison psychology service who provide Services for people in prison in Ireland um, basically do not have enough staff. And they said that on the low security prison in Mount Joy, it is 893 days wait for a psychological assessment. It just, in, it's like, it makes no sense. In Midlands, it's six, 645. And Mount Joy General, it's 610. Women, no, we very rarely get anything. When the women's uh, prison in the Docus, uh, is the shortest. That's 153 days. No, that's still not good. That's still over five months. Mm. Um, and if you're on a short-term sentence, and you need to remember that a lot of these people will have drug addiction issues. And the thing I learned, actually, from Len Rianne's really amazing podcast, Conversations on the Margins, most people in prison are also victims of crime. Yeah. They are people who live with a lot of trauma. Yeah. Who might have come from poverty or yeah. you know damaged backgrounds or have 100%. mental health issues so well, this is the whole this is why it's so frustrating because addiction is usually the result of trauma mm-hmm. people who have been violated in some capacity by life by their family by the system by whatever and um, you know whether it's sexual abuse mm-hmm. or you know uh, domestic abuse or you know some sort of trauma mm-hmm trauma as jamie lee curtis would say so so there's the first issue so then those people are are the people who generally become addicts Mm -hmm. and then addiction often leads to crime which means Mm -hmm. you've got prisons that are usually full of addicted people who are psychologically damaged and then you won't even give them the psychological help it's so so stupid like what's the point of prison this is gonna get you're gonna get even more mad so last year 2,259 people were referred to the service um the docus center which is the woman's prison in Mount Joy their committee described the prison as a dumping ground for mental illness. And 
The Doka Centre, woman's, the, the main woman's prison in Ireland, has been without a specialised rape crisis counsellor since last summer. Uh, the soul therapist retired in 2022. Thank you very much for your work. I'm sorry you weren't replaced. Um, they haven't hired someone else. I would love to know what percentage of women, women in the raped. DACA center have been raped because I would imagine it it's would very be high. very high. And also for people who don't know much about prisons or women's prisons, there are children who live in the DACA center. Yeah. I mean, when people are pregnant and they go to a prison, there are babies in the DACA center. Um, because they're there with their mothers and it is overcrowded, severely overcrowded. Um, so yeah, I think this is the thing I don't get when we talk about crime uh, in this country. There is an obsession with um, Gardaí mm. and putting more Gardaí on the streets when really we should be, you would assume, a lot of people who commit crimes are not first-time offenders. Mm-mm. So naturally you would think that if you could assess those people for their mental health needs and they could access that in prison there would be less need for Gardaí it would put it would make Gardaí safer it would make all of us safer because these people would be able to cope with their mental health issues and their addiction and it would cost the health service less it's a wraparound service that can help one person but will have a ripple effect for the rest of society yeah it makes absolutely no sense and, and something that's like relatively easily fixed when you think about the millions and millions and millions and millions that the government spends on all the other things that you just mentioned trained psychologists i when you drive through ballybuck there's a big massive billboard that is asking nurses to come out to melbourne to be a nurse why don't we put a big sign out in pennsylvania or somewhere and say if you're a trained psychologist come to Ireland and work in our prison. Look at how many prisons there are in America. Surely they have some prison psychologists they could give us. You would imagine. Um, Okay, let's move on. Prince Harry is suing the Mirror. This has been everywhere this week. I love Prince Harry. Okay. (laughs) All right, good, noted. I know he is famously hated, along with his wife, Meghan. Uh, Yeah, so he appeared, he gave evidence yesterday. It was very long, very trying, very emotional, according to the Telegraph. Um, he was on the stand and he discussed, um, he doesn't, I have to say, even listening to this and the, and the man from the podcast, I listened to, he said the same, Harry doesn't have a lot of hard evidence. Mm. So he claims that his phone was hacked, mm. but he can't point to like one particular voicemail or one particular incident, right? So I do, I suppose, like people in the court said it was feasible, but he actually just doesn't have proof. So he was explaining um, one incident when he was very young. And he was going out with Chelsea Davey, do you remember mm, her? Mm-hmm. So she and him were going out. He was pictured going into a lap dancing club. She saw it in the paper. She was trying to ring him. He was trying to ring her. Um, both very fraught, very upset. And they were leaving each other. They kept, it was like phone tennis. They kept missing each other's call. And they were leaving each other voicemails. Hmm. He said that the material in those voicemails ended up in the mirror the next day. Yeah. He also said that... There was one incident before her death where Prince Harry went for dinner with Caroline Fleck. Mm. That ended up in the mirror the next day. The mirror solicitors tried to um, say that it could have been palace sources, but Pal- he said, "There's well, palace sources didn't know I went for dinner with Caroline Fleck and they did not know about the game of phone tennis I was playing with my then girlfriend. Yeah. He said that the press has blood on their staining their typing fingers and they've caused pain, upset and death. He said that journalists were the mothership of online trolling. 
Trogols react and mobilize the stories they create. People have died as a result and people continue to kill themselves by suicide when they can't see an ale way out. He said that the prop, without proper press regulation, when he accused the current UK government of clearly having no appetite for, for because their friends in the press said so press harassment would only get worse. Um, he was quite upset when he talked about um, his friendship with Caroline Flack mm. and what ultimately happened to her. And I think it probably would make him very emotional because Megan said that she considered taking her own life yeah. um, when she was pregnant as well because of press harassment. And it is something that, um, for, the, for instance, Sienna Miller, who took a case against News of the World for phone hacking, mm. she ended up having to take a settlement. And she said at the time, I do not have the time, energy or the money to take this on mm-hmm. but Prince Harry does yeah this is the difference so the Hugh Grants and Sienna Millers of the world could do this they also have the grounds to, but they can't because they don't have the money Prince Harry has the money and this is his vendetta now against the press as far as he's concerned they killed his mother yeah. they nearly killed his wife and he's had enough of it it's interesting to watch the discourse around this though because there are still so many people who and I read a piece this week a frankly a very misguided piece in my opinion um, of you know that represents these people who are like oh my god he's such a spoiled brat he has everything in the world like why would he complain mm. and it's like well no like this is not acceptable I think he's like his pr- mother at home well exactly and it's also it's a matter of principle like it's mm. not about I'm wealthy and I have whatever like even if we even if we accepted that mm. like you know the principle is it's not acceptable for people to have their privacy invaded to such a level. And he any said, reasonable person would accept said, that. I now realise that my acute paranoia of being constantly under surveillance was not misplaced. I was upset to discover the amount of suspicious call data and 13 private investigative payments for Chelsea alone. Now, this girl was at University of Leeds at the time. Yeah. Like, she was very young. Had she not been in a relationship with me, she would never have to endure the horrific experience at the hands of these journalists. There are eight private investigator payments made in relation to my mother, which I have only learned about since bringing my claim. This makes me feel sick. He said there were 140 emails between 1996 and 2010 that contained information gathered using unlawful methods. 33 of these been has been selected for trial. It's hard to know because only he only has to prove one of them. Mm. So he hasn't brought hard and fast evidence in his own evidence, but there is a lot of paperwork that the public have not seen and the press have not seen. There's a lot of court documents. See, the thing is, like, whether he'll win this or not is, you know, I mean, I hope he does. But, like, there's there's no question that there has been appallingly bad behavior on the, on the you know, in terms of some of these newspapers. And, like, I think people get head up and they're like, oh, but he loves the media. He uses the media for this and he uses the media mm. for that. But, like, the media is not one type of organization the media yeah. is lots of different types of organization and some journalists are more ethical than others and we know it's like this. a real or job and i would say you know as a, as a journalist and the reason i got into the the reason i got into the press or got up became a journalist was because i hated the, <laughs> how the british media treated my family and treated the people in my town that's you know that's why i got into journalism and like i would say as, a, as well and i am not defending this whatsoever but i've said this before it is a vicious circle if you want to stop hearing about prince harry if you want Prince Harry to go away, stop clicking on the Daily Mail <laughs> about Prince Harry. So I used to work at the Scottish Daily Mail. It's called the Daily Record, right? And this is just a for instance, but I you would come in every day and we had this thing on the wall called Chartbeat, and it would list all our top read um, stories on the website. 
the top two stories every day without fail, no matter what time of the day or night it was, no matter what day it was, the top two stories on the Daily Record website were always either about Celtic or Rangers. That was it. <laughs> the only thing that ever knocked them two off the top was Aunt McPartland's divorce. Mm. And people used to comment on all of our stories, thousands of comments saying, leave Aunt McPartland alone. You're going to drive him to suicide. Stop doing this. And people continued to click on it. These tabloids are feeding people what they want. I'm not saying it's right, but this is how the bad behavior starts because they are all then competing with one another. The news of the world and the sun and the mirror all want the story about Prince Harry. They all want the story about Princess Diana. The BBC made fake security invoices and gave them to Princess Diana so she could have an interview. The BBC. Mm. So it infects everything. It's not just the tabloids. Mm. It infected the public service broadcaster in Britain. Mm. I think people used to wonder like how people went to public hangings. I don't think it's strange at all considering how we you celebrity now and how we treat people now but the thing is and like obviously I'm conscious of the fact that I talk about celebrities and I you know but I read celebrity articles or whatever I I genuinely though I'm very selective about where I read stuff because I don't want to feed into certain publications who I know behave appallingly Mm -hmm. and who I know are harmful to people's lives like I you know I'm not looking to actually upset you know damage anyone's life do you mm. know what I mean and I and I think I hope I kind of stay on the right side of that and you know at the end of the day you know people would argue well people wouldn't have careers if we weren't paying attention to them and you know Prince mm. Harry is a very particular case obviously because he didn't he, do a choice no either. exactly yeah. and he was born into the royal family and that's a whole different kettle of fish and he was also being shafted from by within his own organization you know mm. so it's it's very multi-layered and he is a particular case but like it's about lies I think mm. really and, and and real invasions of privacy and, like, and how much a person is willingly partaking mm-hmm. in the game as it were. And like what I find very upsetting and I think must have been very upsetting for Chelsea Davey. No, I'm sure she's grown up and married now and you know her and, and her and Prince Harry broke up because of you know the press intrusion but they the mirror pulled out this um email they got years ago and it was from someone in Chelsea Davies class at uni and they said I'm in class with Chelsea Davy and I was talking to her about her exam results and she didn't say anything about Prince Harry but if you pay me I'll go back and I'll find out more stuff yeah how could you if you were that girl because she's a normal girl she's not yeah. in the royals like she didn't have a famous family I mean she has a very wealthy family but didn't have a famous family how could you trust people again you couldn't you couldn't I find that so so sad yeah that another student who briefly spoke to her in class one day was like i'm going to sell stories yeah. to the to the mirror about her yeah it's gross okay very quickly we've got two stories um to discuss now which are kind of related mm-hmm. um deforestation in the amazon uh in brazil yeah which is great news and then unfortunately the massive wildfires that are happening in canada which i'm sure loads of you are seeing on social media mm-hmm. it, which are impacting new york and yeah. other areas of america so the new president of brazil he's only been in situ for five uh, months and deforestation of the amazon has fallen by 31 percent, which is great this is so good so there, it's the world's biggest rainforest and it is, we know that Bolsonaro, who was the previous president of Brazil, um, not a great guy, no. has to be said, 
Um, he was really in with the agribusiness sector who were causing most of the deforestation. Um, he, the an- average annual deforestation in the Amazon increased by more than 75% mm. under Bolsonaro for the previous decade. So Lula, who's the president now, worked, marked World Environment Day on Monday by announcing sweeping new plan to combat deforestation and the hundreds of targets and objectives, including the immediate seizure of half the territory being illegally exploited for logging, farming, mm-hmm. mining and other protected lands. Mm. Um, so that's great news. Um, good to see a change of leadership yes. in Brazil having a real impact there. And then, unfortunately, um, everyone in New York is basically shafted. Yeah, <laughs> um, so there's been, you know, images absolutely everywhere, but New York is under a thick cloud of yellow smog. Could we call it smog? Yeah, um, because there has been horrific wildfires near the south of Canada, near the American border. So... I was listening to a scientist this morning who said the big concern is they usually don't get these wildfires until like July and August. Yeah. It's only at the start of June. This is clearly linked to the climate emergency. Mm. Um, they have cancelled flights in LaGuardia Airport and out of New York, which is going to have a knock-on effect for the rest of the world because LaGuardia and New York is like a hub of mm. finance tech. Basically everything in the world um, is run out of New York. The air quality health advisory notice has been extended until midnight tonight which will be last night listen to this uh the un secretary general anthony gutierrez um said with the global temperatures on the rise the need to currently urgently reduce wildlife fire risk is critical um you know sports games have been cancelled broadway plays have been cancelled i'm more worried about um the wildlife and the agriculture in canada where the fires have started um and i do think most of the news has been about New York and not actually about Canada. Yeah, which I think is interesting as well. Yeah. Because you're um, talking about 400 fires. So this is on Wednesday. Um, Justin Trudeau said that there were, or referenced the fact that there were firefighters out there fighting more than 400 fires, mm-hmm. 239 of which were considered out of control. Mm-hmm. Like, that's huge. Yeah. So what impact does that have on Canada? Yeah, and we know that, so the climate crisis has already exacerbated wildfires. We saw this in Australia. We saw this in America. So by 2090, global wildfires are expected to increase in intensity by up to 57% mm. because of the climate emergency. And Canada is on track to experience its most severe wildlife season on record. Um, it's part of a trend that will intensify as climate change makes hotter, drier, wetter, and longer fire seasons more common. Um, and they reckon that these blazes and hot and dry conditions in Canada are going to persist to the end of the season. The world is literally on fire. And even for us, you think this doesn't affect us? Ireland, we have just heard, missed its climate targets. Mm. We keep missing our climate targets. We're not going to hit them in any way, shape or form anytime soon. Mm. You know, I was in Derry uh, during the week and it was 23 degrees mm. at the start of June. I mean, the like, high... how can you ignore what is happening? Yeah. Even here... You know, we are seeing extreme heat for Ireland. This is not how we're supposed to live. Um, 98 million people on the East Coast are under air quality alerts from Canadian fires. Hmm. And New York, New York City had the worst air quality in the world yesterday. Yeah, 
it's not great, guys. It's not great. Um, I know, by the way, lots of you have asked me to do more on climate change on this podcast. And I'm not avoiding climate change by any stretch of the imagination. And obviously, we've covered the stories in the news section. It's The reason I haven't done more is mainly just that it is not my area of expertise. Neither. And you've heard me and Aoife talk about science. We're not so good at it. Um, so I will have someone on to talk about climate change soon. It's been on the list. It's going to happen. But I also feel like I am not expertly placed to be the person to have this conversation. So we will continue to cover climate change stories in the news. Of course we will. I will be having a guest on soon to discuss climate change and where we are. But also next week, or actually at the end of this episode... At the end of this episode, I'm going to recommend a few climate change podcasts who actually know what they're talking about. And you can go and listen to them. There's a really good Irish one. Um, and I'll, I'll recommend a few others from other countries as well, because I just feel like if you want to hear climate change spoken about properly, I'm just not the right person to do that for <laughs> you. Um, but I will continue to cover it, of course, because I know it's crucially important. But I also I think it's too important for me to kind of half-ass and not get right. Um so there you go. That's that's my decree on that. Okay, Aoife Moore, thank you so, so, so much. Go and pre-order Aoife's book. It's only a few months away. I know. The long game, very exciting. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Courtney Smith is a fashion stylist and creative director based in Dublin. I have to say I have absolutely loved meeting and working with Courtney over the years. Um, she's really good at what she does. She has incredible and innate style and an, an incredible ability to tap into p other people's individual style. Um, for me, as a bigger person, working with stylists has not always been a success, but I have never felt like I had to worry with Courtney. I always felt like she was on my side. I always felt like she knew exactly um, where to go and how to get the right things, which is not something that I can say for every stylist I've ever worked with. Um, I also just love her commitment to style over fashion, if you know what I mean. Um, she's not so much about trends, and you'll hear her talk about that in this chat. Um, and also, I just really admire her work ethic. Um, she is so committed to work, although she's had to really transition into a new phase of her career since she had her two children in quick succession, it has to be said, during the pandemic. Her latest project is Closet Confidential, which is a web series where she goes and visits people where she goes and visits people's wardrobes and learns about them and their personal style and what their style means to them. It's featured people like Tara Kumar, Millie McIntosh and Rosie Connolly. There's also an accompanying podcast and um, I'm just generally a really big fan. I had so much fun talking to her this week and hearing about her origin story in terms of her career, which is excellent. Um, how she got to where she is now, Closet Confidential and lots more. Enjoy. Courtney Smith, I mean, you and I have known each other for a very long time now, um, professionally and a little bit personally. We've been lucky enough to go on a few nice press trips together over the years. Mm -hmm. The Britney Spears one uh, remains one of my favorites. Oh my favorites. God, that was the best. It was the best. We went to Britney Spears with pennies and we went to London and I kind of didn't get the dress up like Britney memo, but you did one of the best Britney costumes I've ever seen in my entire life. Right, and I got it all in pet. Obviously, we were going with pennies, but I remember going into into pennies, going, "Okay, I need to find something Britney esque." And I did the "Hit Me Baby One More Time" with the basketball look, you know, yeah. the tracksuit with the little top. Um, but that was such a fun trip. Oh, it was so fun! I just remember, the, I actually remember the bus. 
more than anything we had so much fun on the bus too much fun we did yeah probably probably an inappropriate amount of fun um but it's been amazing to watch you um I mean you are so successful as a stylist obviously you've worked with some of the biggest brands in Ireland and you're kind of responsible for the creative vision I think for a lot of branding in Ireland which people wouldn't necessarily be familiar with so tell us a little bit for people who don't know about what it is that you do and how you got into it Ooh, so I, like, I mean, I started, I want to say almost 15 years, 15 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I was originally a stylist in London for a boutique and I was styling a lot of their celebrities that would come in. So I got to work with Alicia Dixon, Amy Winehouse, some of the Girls Aloud girls. Um, and I kind of had it in my head that I'd come back to Ireland and be a celebrity stylist. Right. <laughs> don't really have those here Mm -hmm. um we just don't have a big enough pool and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the celebrities here they're just a little bit more down to earth and they don't really have stylists like they they will for you know shows or particular events but not like on a day-to-day basis well also like there's not as much money here let's be honest so no 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 it's a totally different industry completely different so I came back and I was like emailing everybody wanting to be like a personality stylist yeah and I emailed RTE and TV3 and I was like hi can I style your celebrities or your presenters or whatever and like I came back at the the beginning of uh, the recession as Mm -hmm. well so like there just wasn't any work out there and about six months later I got an email back from TV3 and they were like our people style themselves (laughs) (laughs) but if you're interested we're looking for more uh contributors style contributors to be on the show talking about style and how to dress and would you be interested in doing that and I was very much you know I was 21 I was like you say yes and then you figure out that shit later Mm. so I said yes and I was like yeah totally I can do that but it wasn't ever anything that I had planned on doing and then I had like you know a couple of meetings I've sent in mood boards and pitches um and then the day of my uh my screen test I was driving in and they called me to say look um we actually can't do your screen test today but we've had a last minute cancellation any chance you can be on the show tomorrow morning be here 6 a.m with two models and six outfits and I was like yes yes I can no problem and then I remember like I was already on the M50 I remember pulling over going oh shit like I had no contact with any modeling agencies I had no contact with any brands I hadn't done a single job in Ireland at that point so I just drove to, uh, I drove home first, grabbed my dad's like credit card and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to borrow this back in a little bit. And um, I went to Swords Pavilions and I went into Zara and into Pennies at the time. And uh, I just, I actually, I bought the stuff in Pennies and in with the intention of returning it because uh, it's only going to be born for five minutes. Yeah. And then I went into Zara and I started talking to the manager and explaining what had happened. And they very kindly actually lent me everything. Wow. So I was... And then I phoned like an agency that doesn't even exist anymore. And I was like, explained the situation. It's very Irish, like very sound. We'll sort you out. Don't worry about it kind of thing. Sent me two models that I'd never met, never cast, anything like that. And that was my first time on TV. It was the next morning at like 8 a.m. I was there at six doing all my prep and like 21 years old, first time on live TV thinking in my head, don't swear, don't swear. Yeah, that's amazing (laughs) though, because 
I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize that actually that is often how it goes, particularly in Ireland, I think, because there aren't that many people around. So if you put yourself out there and you put yourself up for an opportunity, a lot of the time you will just get thrown in at the deep end. And it's it's really about whether you can kind of fake it through that experience at a high enough level to kind of get away with it. And then from that, you know, you can get so many other opportunities, right? A hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I don't think... I think as well, like I was only 21, so I was very young, but I was very young. Overly, overly confident, I think. I think you had to be in that situation. Yeah. And I remember when I was turning, I'd been on the show years. I was turning like 25 or something. And the presenter had seen on Twitter that I was, it was my birthday because people were were tweeting me. And they were like, what age are you? Like, you're almost 30 or whatever. They just assumed that when I started on the show, I was 25, 26, because they were like, had the producers known I was 21, they probably wouldn't have given me the opportunity. Yeah. My age wasn't anywhere. So yeah. it's not like they knew. They just saw on my on my CV at the time that I'd styled Amy Winehouse and I'd styled all these different people. Mm. So I think they thought from my credentials and from the experience that I had that I was a bit older. So I think that works in my favor as well. That kind of almost, I didn't on purpose. I didn't yeah. lie about age. They just didn't know. Um, and I think I remember the presenter saying at the time, I was like, I'm pretty sure if they'd known you were 21, you definitely wouldn't have been <laughs> given the opportunity. Um, but you but proved all, yourself. Exactly. And you know, it spiraled from there. Mm. It spiraled from there. I very much, I think I became known as like a TV fashion personality at the time. Yeah. And then, and then I, I switched over to Expose at, at around, I think, 25. Around that time, I'd, I'd switched over to Expose. And at the time, they kind of wanted you on one or the other. They didn't want you on both shows. Right. Um, And I, I suppose I probably got a little bit like, I've done the morning TV. It's a certain, it's a certain audience as well. Uh, and I wanted to do the kind of more fun, younger yeah. vibe. So I started doing expose. But then I kind of, I just, again, I got a bit bored as a, as a creative. I was kind of like, oh, there's only so many times you can say, and if you team that dress with a leather jacket and a pair of tights, <laughs> it goes straight into autumn winter. <laughs> yes. Which is like, I think the catchphrase of every TV stylist, because you, you have to, um, <laughs> But I was like, I wanted more from it. And at the time I was doing a lot of editorials as well, but I wanted, I suppose I wanted to kind of grow. I wanted to do a lot more shoots. I, I saw myself more behind the scenes. Yeah. And like, when I got into fashion, I always saw like the creme de la creme for me was if you could do like a shoot for Elle or Vogue yeah. or something like that. So I was like, right, I need to pull back from the TV because it was taking up so much of my time. When I was doing expose, I was probably filming like, four days a week yeah there wasn't a lot of time to do all the creative stuff so I had to kind of make a conscious decision I was making good money as well so I had to make a conscious decision to be like okay for my career I need to pull back and I want to do the the big fashion stuff and Mm -hmm. I so I did that and I you know it was I was I very much put myself out there and I was traveling the world shooting with you know brands like Brian Thomas and Mm -hmm. Juvie and Primark and I was had the opportunity to go shooting in Tulum and Mexico and New York and LA and like you name it I probably went there like on these big campaign jobs and that for me was more exciting than doing the TV yeah um because like you said at the beginning there I was creating an image for a brand yeah so like I was coming up with the creative concept and then seeing it through to fruition so like I still get excited when the final image comes through because like it's it's everything from just 
initial concept from from an initial chat with the brand what are you looking for what way do you want to take your brand and then all the way to the end mm. so like one of the brands that I'm working with a lot of the moment is Fourth Arc mm. uh, Rosie Connolly's brand mm. and like she came to me kind of as as lockdown was was lifting a little bit and we had like a masked up meeting in my house like at other ends of the table yeah. <laughs> and like at that time she only had the brand name she didn't even have a single product she just kind of knew the direction yeah. and the vibe that she wanted to go and that was really exciting for me because I was working with the brand from its infancy yeah. and she very much knew where she wanted to take it but she also really knew to put her trust in me and to get the right team so like I I you know selected the team and I started doing castings and pulling together all these ideas and then sending to her and getting her excited so I've very much grown with that brand as mm. well because I've done every campaign that they've done. Yeah. Um, and I love that. That's that's exciting for me to 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 work with a brand from like I mean, look how big it is now. Yeah, like, it's it's huge. It sells out like yeah 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 that sounds amazing um and obviously you know if people follow you they know that you've done loads of that kind of work um but you've had I suppose we all had a transition through the pandemic as well where everything had to had to change a little bit and we had to kind of assess what we were doing with our careers but you also in your personal life had massive changes because obviously you have two kids now um and mm-hmm. that is a real life changer <laughs> how did you find that transition to motherhood it's a funny one because when when lockdown happened like I was so used to being all go 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 busy yeah. busy busy like non-stop and like yeah because I feel like I remember slowness. seeing you'd be in your office in town at like five o'clock in the morning like yeah with Lexi your dog like out for a walk at seven <laughs> like and I was like this girl does not stop but I loved that yeah. I loved being busy and I like I quite I kind of thrived off that yeah um so for me, lockdown was really strange initially because of the slowness. Yeah. I wasn't used to a slow pace of life at all. I haven't been like mm. since I was 21 because I was just constantly on the go then. Yeah. Um. So that forced slowness before I even fell pregnant. I, I th- that was unusual to me. Mm. And then being pregnant and I know other people that were pregnant during lockdown had a really hard time. I actually really relished it because I feel like had I been pregnant in my busy time, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. Yeah. Because I really just was like embracing it all and being like, okay, well, look, can't do anything else. So let's meditate. Let's do this. Let's go for a sea swim. Um, So I I actually really enjoyed that time. Mm. I did obviously find it quite difficult because like even when I gave birth to Zen, we went back into a level five lockdown. So like my parents didn't get to hold him till he was, I, th- I think about two months old. Yeah. Uh, so I did find that initial, like I, I had to just kind of take as much positivity from it as I could. Yeah. But I did find the initial part quite mm. scary because like yeah. you don't know what to do with them before and you no. expect your mum to be there or so, you know, yeah, your friends someone, to be yeah. there, right? Um, and then obviously I got pregnant very quickly again. Mm. Like, like there's only, well, there's only 16 months between them, but she went over. So there probably should only be about 15 and a half months. So um, that was, yeah, it, it was all a big whirlwind. I almost like, I'm like, where have the last two and a half years yeah. gone? But, but it did, it did introduce to me a better, and I think maybe it's a bit of motherhood and, it's, and I don't want to say, <laughs> I don't want to say things have slowed down. Well, they have slowed down in work, but like, I think I do have a better work-life balance than I ever had. Yeah. I think because 
because I'm a mum, I, I prioritize. I, I'm very selective about what I take on as, yeah. as work now. I have to because I, I don't have the opportunity. Like um, uh, Bodhi's not even in, in childcare yet. So like yeah. she's she's 14 months old now and I still have her full time. So mm. I'm very selective. Like I'll take a job here or a yeah. job there. Um, And yeah, it's, it's a very different pace of life. Mm. But I did Closet Confidential during lockdown yeah. as well while I was pregnant. And well, sorry, I wasn't pregnant at the beginning and then I was pregnant. Mm. Um. And that was like my little fun, like just outlet. My yeah. my 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 thing to do that made got me excited every day because it was a really scary time yeah. for everybody. And I was like, I don't know what my career is going to be like when this lifts. Yeah. So I was like, I wanted that little outlet of chatting to people about their style. Like we chatted, mm-hmm. like I chatted to so many different people, and it was so much fun. Um, and then obviously as as lockdown was lifting, um people got back to their normal lives and just the viewership started like filtering out because obviously I was doing it when everybody was stuck at home and they're yeah. like they wanted something to watch yeah. um so it just kind of naturally came to an end yeah. uh online but I have brought it back to life yeah so tell me about that decision I know people were kind of asking you about it all the time weren't they which doesn't surprise me because Closet Confidential brings together I think two of a lot of people's interests and one is nosiness we love to see inside other people's lives and hopefully inside their homes and two um, we all love to talk about clothes I mean anybody who's interested in clothes wants to know where people get their clothes that's why so many people spend their you know have, have built entire careers around like you know trying on clothes for people because everybody wants to be inspired and see what everybody else is doing and that's exactly what closet confidential gives you the opportunity to do yeah and that was it for me during lockdown it was like I love clothes I love style I love talking to that's what I missed I did miss like the interaction with people so Mm. it was was my way to be able to like I did it three days a week so for three days a week I was able to go from like seven till eight I think was the time that I did it and I was like right this is my little time to have a catch up with somebody and to chat about style and to chat about the things that we love mm. chat about the stories behind the clothes um, and I missed it I missed it when it when it ended and people used to like DM me all the time going are you bringing it back like mm. bring it back and like the funny thing is Clouds Confidential was originally a TV pitch that I'd been pitching out to production companies so before lockdown happened I've been having meetings with different producers like to make it a TV show and yeah. then lockdown happened and I was like I'll just do it online I'll do it myself yeah and then yeah I kind of and we know it. And those meetings like, can go on for literally years <laughs> Oh, literally years. Yeah. Like uh, this has been sitting there, and there's been so many different versions of it throughout yeah. time as well. Yeah. Um. So I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna do it. I'm yeah. just gonna do it. Like I'm. I was like, I'm not doing as many shoots as I was. It was such a passion project. I really wanted to bring it back. So I was like, I'll take control. I'll do it myself. I'll do it as a YouTube channel. Uh, and I'll do it as a podcast. The podcast, I'll be honest, I'm I'm finding really difficult because it's such a new avenue for me. The YouTube is very, it's more natural for me because I'm used to doing TV. Yeah, that's what you've done, yeah. Yeah, so I, like, I'm still kind of like, I'm obviously only in series one, so I'm still feeling it out. Like I'm definitely bringing, it's had such a great response. I'm definitely going to bring it back for season two, hopefully three and, and, and onwards, but I, I don't know, will I continue with the podcast or will I just do them totally separately? Maybe mm. have them coming out at different times. I'm still very much feeling it out, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm loving getting to 
go into people's closets because that's what's different this time. I'm actually with them in their wardrobe and that's fun. Yeah, now I will say I, what if you don't have a wardrobe that you can go into? (laughs) (laughs) All of these people have these like stunning setups that you're, because you've gone, like the first episode of this new series was with Millie McIntosh who we've seen, if you follow her online, you know she has this amazing wardrobe Um, and like Rosie Connolly Quinn's wardrobe is amazing and I like, not everybody has a wardrobe that you can walk into. Well, I will tell you, I did um, this week's episode coming out hasn't been really, well, I'm not sure when when this episode comes out, but PJ Kirby is my next guest. Oh, stunning. So good. Like, it's such a good episode. Um, It was so much fun. He made me do like little fash off as well um, in his kitchen. But Mm -hmm. his, his room, we were in his bedroom. He was opening up the wardrobes. It's like, it's probably a more realistic version of what people's rooms are actually like yeah um so I loved that but um I loved the chat with him as well because I think what he does really well is blurs the lines between what is you know masculine I suppose more commonly yeah. known as feminine clothes versus masculine clothes yeah. and uh, it's just a really honest conversation about how he dived into that and when he started experimenting oh and, my god uh, I yeah, cannot wait to watch that cannot wait yeah. um what's been your favorite moment of this series so far oh oh that's hard hmm? um I think there's definitely been a few different ones for each episode mm. um obviously like I was able to fly over I, I did Millie I have another like my last episode is an amazing guest um and I just filmed with her in London and like we were that's a little bit different because we were actually behind the scenes of her tv show Ooh. so we were in her dressing room exciting uh, so that so each episode was it Holly like, Willoughby <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no oh, don't think I'm getting access to her anytime soon <laughs> not this week <laughs> not this week yeah um but I think that's what's lovely about the the series is that every episode is so different yeah because it brings the personality the personality or the life of that person into I mean like we've been talking I know you're gonna do you're gonna you've I've bullied you into doing an episode an upcoming episode soon yeah. um so you're like mm. no <laughs> no it's just my setup that I'm concerned about like I'm like will we both fit <laughs> no PJ's I'm sure when I watch PJ's I, I'll feel better it, it, I want the realer the better and I really want to do yours as well because like I, I love looking at your Instagram um I was looking at you were at a wedding recently was it like a floral dress oh yeah yeah that was my my oh. brother-in-law's wedding yeah stunning and okay. I was like where's that dress from I need to go find it mm-hmm. like I just love that your your style is just so vibrant and fun and like and that's what I love about like you were saying what's my favorite bit my favorite bit is is each episode how individual and different everybody is yeah and how people really have a such a different take on style yeah. and trends and it really showcases their individuality and that's what I want to showcase on the series yeah. I want to be going for people that really champion their own personal style and just go for it yeah. like my style. I would love to be that minimalist girl. Like I yeah. love the girls that do minimalist. I'm always saying that. Why can't I just be one of those people who just wears like black, white, and gray? Like why can't that be me? Oh, I just, I, do you know, I like. I'd love that to be me, and I love the girls that do that. I'm looking yeah. at them going, they look so chic. Yeah. But then I see something glittery yeah. or feathered, and I'm like, oh <laughs> no, 
That's why. <laughs> Me too. I'm the exact same as you know. I actually was at an event yesterday and it was like there were like 25 um, beautiful women at this event and it was in a really fancy room in the Westbury and like it was done up like a wedding. There was like beautiful florals on the table and I looked around the table and I was wearing, what was I wearing? I think I was wearing like something patterned anyway and I looked around the table and I was like oh my god did I miss a dress code on the invitation because every single person was wearing cream beige or like a light pink every single person and that was also like the floral theme of the event and I was like I must have missed they must have said to come in these colors and then I looked at the invitation and they hadn't it was just like me being garish as usual in the context of all these like ladylike creatures and I was like oh this is just classic 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 but I just can't be that I can't be that it's not who I am that's exactly it and that's why like for me classic confidential it's about style individuality and style personality and I really want to that to me is so important because like I'm this will sound hilarious because as a stylist I just don't like trends mm. like when when a journalist calls me they're like hey what's your top three trends of the season yeah I'm like I don't know I don't care I don't actually follow them anymore because I really I'm more interested in what people do with their own wardrobes yeah. I'm more interested in what people do don't get me wrong like I'll obviously go shopping and I'll find something that I love but I actually just you know obviously Y2K is really in at the moment mm. 90s are really in at the moment it's not really my aesthetic mm. but I'll probably find something in there that'll work into my wardrobe but I don't really follow trends and it just doesn't bother me it just it's, it's not something I don't really do that many editorials anymore like mm. unfortunately the magazine industry in Ireland has changed so dramatically there aren't that many outlets anyway so I'm more of a commercial creative director anyway so I work with brands individually so it just it just doesn't appeal to me like like following these kind of fad trends that'll be over in six months I'd rather talk to somebody that has had the same style aesthetic for the last 10 years and learn from them yeah. and grow from that like and I do think I've learned from every episode mm. like I love the confidence that people like that that seems to be the kind of recurring theme people talking about just owning your style just yeah. own it forget about whatever people other people are wearing yeah you just do you yeah and the more I listen to people saying that the more I actually go through my own wardrobe and I'm a stylist I work in this industry but I've been going through my own wardrobe and going why did you buy that? That's not you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm like that too. So I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping that that's what people are going to take away from it if they watch it. Like, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't want people to be inspired to go, oh, I need to go out and buy that item because yeah. that person's talking about it. I want them to be inspired to say, oh, like, you know, I loved looking at Rosie Connolly's wardrobe, but I actually don't like those kind of classic neutrals and I don't like you know denim on denim I actually really love bright florals but she's been talking about why that's really good in her wardrobe I'm gonna go look at my wardrobe it doesn't have to you know what I mean yeah and that's what I really enjoyed about it yeah I love it well there are episodes available now you can go and watch Tara Kumar my beloved has done one Uh, Millie McIntosh as we mentioned Rosie Connolly really looking forward to that PJ Kirby um, episode and it's available both on YouTube as videos and as a podcast but the podcast is different 
different. So I think a lot of people are missing that. So you get more content from the podcast. Um, so be sure to listen to that as well. Um, Courtney, it's just a joy to watch you work. And I really appreciate, I have to say on a personal note, like I've worked with stylists over the years and they haven't always been as committed to um, inclusivity and like really supporting people's personal style as you have. And I love that about you. So I look forward to seeing everything you do in the future. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This bonus segment is brought to you by now. Well, I have something to tell you. And this might be tough for you to take on board, depending on your age uh, or your stage in life. So brace yourself for a piece of information that might make your brain explode or indeed uh, will probably stimulate some very intense memories. Sex and the City is 25 years old. Yes. I'm going to give you a minute to process that iconic series that is still entertaining us started 25 years ago in 1998. Um, I actually had never given this a lot of thought because Sex and the City kind of feels like something that's just always been with me, even though the truth is I wasn't on board from series one. In 1998, I was 16 and I was... I don't even think I was watching the OC yet. I don't think the OC had even started. So I was very much, what was I watching when I was 16? I couldn't tell you, but I wasn't watching Sex and the City. And in fact, I think it was a good few years before I got on board. Um, but once I was in, I was in. I remember when I was 21, I was working in a radio station and I had a colleague and she and I used to like dissect the previous night's relation or the previous night's episode, excuse me, every week afterwards. And, you know, look, there was so much to love about it. Obviously the fashion, Everything styled by Patricia Field was iconic, like Carrie wearing a belt around her bare tummy. 
Belt's actually featured a lot. Remember the time she walked home with just one of big shirts just like casually thrown on with a belt around her waist? Like only Carrie could do that. Her shoes getting robbed at that kid's party because they had a no shoes indoors rule. Her shoes getting robbed down an alleyway. So many shoes, 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 shoes. Shoes that I would never be able to afford and in fact as I got older not be able to wear because I simply can't do heels and yet I loved it and of course the other women Charlotte was just like always the picture of elegance um I'll never forget her tribute to Elizabeth Taylor during her fertility troubles remember she goes to Brady's birthday party oh it's so beautiful she's the picture of elegance like Samantha's power suits Miranda's Let's be honest, stunning Zach Posen dress at Carrie's wedding. And I know we're getting into the film territory there, but the fashion is unreal. New York just being, as they've always said, like the fifth character in the show. I'd never been to New York until I went last year for my 40th birthday. Um, but I think Sex and the City was actually the very first thing that made me want to go. I remember thinking that it looked so glamorous, so exciting, so diverse. Like you never knew where the ladies were going to end up because there was always something exciting going on. I remember one of the places they went to was a place called Cafeteria and it was like spoken about on the show. And then my friend Ian ended up going away on, I think on a J1 and working there. And I was just like, oh my God, it's like the most glamorous thing in the world. And even when I did eventually go, like last year in October, I was still spotting places going, I remember that from Sex and the City. I remember that from Sex and the City. But of course, you know, the central things of Sex and the City were the relationships. At the time that I was watching originally, I had almost nothing going on in my love life. And then when I did have stuff going on in my love life, it wasn't anything near as exciting as what was going on in there. So I really enjoyed living vicariously through them. I think my favorite relationships over the course of the television series were um, Samantha and Richard. I remember just thinking, if someone can hurt Samantha Jones's feelings, anyone is vulnerable. We are all vulnerable. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. You know, when you are talking about love, there's always still a vulnerability there. For me, it wasn't Carrie and Aiden, really, and it wasn't Carrie and Big, either. That Carrie and Burger relationship, I will never forget the morning after the Post-it episode going into work and just standing aghast with my colleague, just being horrified at what had gone on. And with Miranda, it's not Steve for me. It's remember she was with that hot doctor for the Knicks. I never understood why she didn't make more of that. And then, of course, you know, their friendships with each other, which were absolutely crucial. How how key to see these women supporting each other through lots of different moments in their lives, the ups, the downs. And we've seen so much of that through the films and now obviously with And Just Like That, which is back streaming on now from June 22nd. Yes, that's right. Season two is coming June 22nd. I can't wait to see how the whole Miranda and Shay thing pans out. I've seen that Aiden is back, but I do hope, fingers crossed, we'll get to see Carrie dating a little bit before we get into that. And to be honest, I like I would just watch Charlotte, Charlotte and Rain the Place every day of the week. And now that I'm saying all of this, I think I might need to do a full rewatch. I remember when I first watched every single episode, you know, from the first to the last, I had gotten the box set and I watched it over Christmas when I was sick. You know, when you're sick, everything in your life kind of enters your fever dreams. So I was like awake watching episodes and then I'd fall asleep and I'd feel like I was living in Sex and the City and then I'd wake up and I couldn't get out. I wouldn't mind actually that kind of experience again. And fortunately, you don't need a box set anymore. You can stream all the episodes easily on now and then you'll be ready for the new episodes of And Just Like That. How lucky are we to have been in a 25-year-old relationship with this show? I mean, it is magic. We've had our ups, we've had our downs, but we're still together. And frankly, I'm delighted for us. And thanks to now, we can go back to all of our favourite moments in the 25 years. (sighs) Sex and City. I just love it. (laughs) 
always, the celebs were up to their usual hijinks this week. Emer McLeisett joined me to go through it all with updates on the Royal Blood fiasco, Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy, the Schofield fiasco, so many ongoing stories, and Harry Styles' visit to Slane Castle. Best-selling author, Emer McLeisett, what a joy it is to have you back on the podcast. What a lovely intro. <laughs> it's, is it not true? It is, but... <laughs> I mean, I could also say creator of one of Ireland's greatest publishing phenomenons, the Ashling. What is it? What is the word for five? Series? Yeah. I wish there was like a fintilogy or something. Quintology? Just made that up. Could be yeah. a real word. Well, Who a knows? Quintology. Um, uh, the fifth book is coming out soon. Um, here she is, Emer McLeisett. Here I am. What a joy. Thank you. Um, we've got lots to talk about in the world of pop culture this week. And actually, we're starting with some kind of... Uh, movement from stories we discussed on the podcast last week so let's get some updates to yeah. begin with um, and let's start with the royal blood kerfluffle of 2023 yeah I know you and Cassie talked about this last week but there is an update so a brief reintroduction royal blood are the band who went to the BBC big weekend kind of festival day I guess it is yeah in Dundee in Scotland they were in between Niall Horan and Lewis Capaldi. Nobody really knew who they were. And the front man decided to have a go at the audience to be really sarcastic and give them the fingers when he's walking off the stage. It blew up internationally. They weren't expecting it. And now they've made, would you call it a groveling apology? I don't know. Or a poorly executed PR strategy. I would go with the latter, yeah. personally. <laughs> yeah. So a week after the fact, or almost a week after the fact, they've gone on BBC Radio 1 who kindly had them on to yeah. talk about what happened with Greg James. And um, the front, I mean, I had never heard of them before this carry on and now I've lost the front man's name. Does it really matter what his name no. is? No. Um, so he has tried to kind of spin it like they were kind of joking. Yeah. Like, oh, this is just my onstage persona. Yeah, he said I his humour kind of is as this. dry as MDF. And the crowd just didn't get that he was joking. Yeah. Babes, nobody got that you were joking. No. And that's always a problem. If yeah. nobody gets the joke, it's not a joke. It would have taken me three minutes to think, oh, maybe these maybe these people don't know who you are. Maybe, you know, but I didn't kind of, I wasn't going through that thought process. I, I was like very pumped backstage. Mm. Um, and, and I actually really enjoyed playing. I, I had a great time. And, <laughs> and the ending to me, I felt like a sort of pro wrestler. I was sort of like walking off like... I, I felt like a sort of pantomime villain. I didn't feel like I'd done anything um, sort of morally wrong. Yeah, you know? I thought I was. I thought I felt like a bit of a wind up. Honestly, that's kind of how I felt. I thought Greg James, the presenter who does the breakfast show on BBC Radio One, was quite kind in saying, "Yeah, like you know, I I know your humour, and sure, at first I thought you were kind of having a laugh, but then you kept going." Yeah, I think. I think what they should have done, and maybe I should be their manager. You should. So I Already think, I know I you should. I think they were on the back foot, given that they were in between Niall Horn and Lewis Capaldi, who the crowd were there to see. Yes. And then this band came on in the middle and they were like, who are these guys? Yeah. We don't know them. They've been around for 10 years. They used to be on the cover of Enemy. Like, yeah. They, they, they weren't the right crowd for them. If they were clever, they would have done a Lewis Capaldi cover. Yeah. They would have done a rock version of a classic Lewis Capaldi song they would have got the crowd on their side yeah. and that would have been that and people would have been like these guys are great when is the song on Spotify yeah. can't wait to follow you on Instagram and you could also even have just been like hey if you're uh, here for Niall Horn and Lewis Capaldi you may never have heard of us we're royal blood like yeah, you instead, know this might be a little bit different but it felt to me like let's they were rock out, they were already in their say. heads going oh these plebs like Niall yes. Horn and Lewis Capaldi exactly. and we don't even know who we are That's exactly. how dare they Yeah, and I was like who are you yeah 
I found it really funny. I was just doing a little bit of Googling to see was there any other update. And <laughs> one of the first headlines that came up was Royal Blood tease plans for 10th anniversary of debut album. Quote, it's amazing we've survived this long. I was like 10 years. Yeah. How have I never heard of these people? Well, I had heard of them because obviously I used to do a new music show. So I, you know, it was my job to know bands and they have some really good music. Okay. Like really good music. I have some of their music on, on my playlist. Yeah. They're kind of um, musy Would kind I know of. probably a couple of songs and not know it's Royal Blood? Possibly. That but if you heard it, you'd, you'd probably be like, oh, this is good. Like they're good at what they do if yeah. you're into that kind of rock music. Yeah. Um, and this is the thing is like, you know, it's just so snooty and rude, especially, as I said last week, when you were at a festival being put on by a radio station who play your music yeah. to be snooty about the, the crowd yeah. you have come and the acts on either side of you. It felt, it was giving, I don't know if this reference is too old, it was giving me Donny Tourette yes. on um, Nevermind the Buzzcocks. Or Preston. Or Preston, yeah. Uh, Nevermind the Buzzcocks, Donny yeah. was very much like, I'm punk, I'm yeah. rock and roll. And Simon Amstel, who was presenting Nevermind the Buzzcocks, was like, oh, hon. You're not, you are babe. going to be ripped to shreds. If you've never seen it, it's on YouTube. Go and watch it. Yeah. I revisited it this morning. I was like, this is great. You'd but miss I mean, Simon Amstel, wouldn't you? <sighs> what a guy. You'd, be, you'd really want to be on his side, though, wouldn't oh, you? Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, like yeah, to be yeah, on the, cu- the edge yeah. of his cutting tongue. I'm afraid I had to stop paying attention to him when he did all the vegan stuff, simply because I knew that if I listened to him talk about it, I would immediately feel like I shouldn't eat meat anymore. Yeah. And I just love meat so much. And I'm sorry, don't cancel me. I it's know. Okay to love meat. I uh, is, is it? it? Yeah, is it? It's not know. really like I've tried to give up the sausages a few times. <laughs> I just really love sausages. <sighs> I feel bad for the pigs. This is the thing. I know that if I listened to him, he would be correct, and I would be like, "You're right." And even already, I know things that make me go, "I should, I yeah. should not do it." Maybe I will listen, and then I'll be able to let go of my the whole just, sausages have on me. I'm just a greedy millennial <laughs> bitch. That's all I am. Another tasty sausage. Okay, all right. Let's talk about Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy. Oh, God. (laughs) Taylor, why? I'm so glad this is where it is now. Thank God. So, I mean, yeah, they've split up. If you, I mean... I don't think they were ever together. They barely start, like... They were fucking. Yeah. Basically, for a while, I was like, they weren't doing anything. They were having, they were having a laugh. Yeah, they were having a laugh. But then yeah, I was I like, was like, this is a publicity stunt. Yeah. There's and a there's song part coming. Part of me, I mean, I stood by her through the Tom Hiddleston fiasco. You did, you did. I, I remember. I was there. I was like, you leave her alone. He was in the sea with his I Heart Taylor Swift T-shirt, and you were there. You were right there. We I know never you were. Forget that fourth in the bushes party. watching them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they're so cute. <laughs> I. If she hadn't just come out, it's, do you know what's, what is really causing a wrinkle for me is the fact that she just ended a very, very long term, very serious relationship. Yeah. If she hadn't just done that, I'd be like, oh, they're having a laugh. They're taking the piss. They're like, oh, let's see what we can get people to write about us. But coming out of such a long relationship, that would be cruel unless one of two things. One, she's trying to hurt Joe Elwin. She is. Who she just broke up with. Two, she's trying to distract from Joe Elwin out of some kind of... I don't know, niceness. I think it's A. Yeah. I know you said one and two, but I'm choosing A. Um, I think it's the first because for several reasons. Um, Number one, it has been noted Mm -hmm. that Taylor went on a series of dinners with some of her famous friends uh, in the immediate aftermath of the Joe Alwyn breakup. Mm -hmm. And after each of these dinners, the person who she went out to dinner with unfollowed Joe Alwyn. Yes, okay? yes, I am aware of that. So that would indicate to me that something happened there that was not cool. Like, mm. you know, Taylor's friends are not on Joe Alwyn's team. Which is, see, because Joe Alwyn is so, 
How would I describe him? Blah. Beige. <laughs> Custard. <laughs> it's hard to think of him doing something heinous. Yeah. But yeah. maybe he did. Yeah. So uh, so that's my, my first piece of supporting evidence. And then secondly, I just think the fact that we all knew about the Maddie Healy thing was a conscious decision on Taylor's part. Oh, yeah. Nothing happens with Taylor Swift that isn't planned meticulously. Yeah. So she knew we were all going to know, and um, which I realize could also be supporting evidence for number two of your suggestions. But I think that she wanted... I think it was a response to the fact that she there heard the Joe Alwyn relationship had been so private. She probably was like, fuck it. I'm going to yeah. have this fling. I'm going to have my fun and everybody's going to know about it, including you, Joe. And I'm just not even going to care about it. Yeah. And then I'm going to throw him in the bin. Yeah. Which was the best bit. Because he's an idiot. Yes. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't, I, I despise that. Oh, Taylor Swift's got an, when read another album about a breakup. It's like, no. That is how music is exactly. made. Exactly. Everybody writes albums about breakups. Exactly. You just decide to pick on her because she's so visible. She's so successful. She's been through a lot of public stuff, a lot of which wasn't her fault. Yeah. Anyway, listen, I'm, I like Taylor else? Swift. Sorry, I know. <laughs> just while we're on Taylor, let's indulge ourselves a little bit. It has been, I've, I think, both gratifying and irritating to watch the response to this tour that she's doing mm -hmm. in America at the moment because I keep getting these TikToks of like, um, my, I went to Taylor Swift with my girlfriend and like, oh my God, it turns out she's great. And like, oh. we're four straight men and we went to Taylor Swift and it was amazing. You know, nothing wilds me more than the <sighs> spare plus one at a concert. I know. Why did you bring him? Bring I someone who's a fan. I have a friend who once saw, some, someone saw a man watching a football match at a Beyonce concert. Like, why did you bring Bring him. Know, Don't bring him. But aside from that, it's like, we're not going to congratulate you for finally acknowledging that this girl who is, sorry, woman now, who is world famous and has an incredibly long and successful Since career. Since she was 15. It's not accidental. Yeah. That doesn't happen by mistake. So we're not going to congratulate you for finally figuring it out. Yeah. But I have to say, please, Taylor, bring the heiress tour to Dublin. Fuck Listen. the insurance. Because we've heard it's the insurance. Listen. That's why we didn't get the you Beyonce know, gig. You and I, you know we'll travel if we have to. We will if we have to. If we have to. But I would rather not. I I'll get on the ferry again. I, I don't, don't lie. The bank balance is not looking <laughs> Not looking too healthy, so I'd really but appreciate I'm, it if you would come here. Back to Matty Healy. Sorry. Like, I, like, he played in, they, 1975 played in Dublin on Wednesday night. Mm. Um, last night as we speak. Last night as we speak. He, their um, support act, Caroline Polacek, and it was her first ever Dublin gig. So imagine you'd bought a ticket kind mm. of just to see her and then she pulled out. Anyway, so Matty Healy came out and did his own support for the 1975. she cancelled, yeah. She cancelled because she was sick. Yeah. Um, and he, during the performance, spray painted sorry on like a white sheet that was hanging on the back of the oh stage. My God, he's so sorry, question mark. I've never seen the 1975 live. Maybe that's something they do. I don't know. Um, but he the thing is, I actually like a lot, like a lot of the 1975 yeah, yeah, music. But he is just so embarrassing. But he also he did have a good little quip about Noel Gallagher. He was because they they've been having a feud, obviously, and he said, you know, I do some interviews to promote an album. Mm. Um, Noel Gallagher does an album to promote some interviews, oh. which I thought was yeah quite on the nose. It, I mean, it is, but I do love Noel as well. Yeah, obviously. Um, I'm just like, sorry, I realize we're being very tangenty, but I have a few comments to make about Caroline Polachek because I went to see her at Primavera over the weekend. And? Well, I went and I was excited. I won't lie. I have not listened to the new album a lot. Um, the music was like grand, like her performance was grand, but I... I unfortunately took against her almost immediately why 
because of what she was wearing. Oh, and well, I realize this is unfair. She's, I mean, please, like, you know, why would you judge an artist by what they're wearing? Mm. But she is just a couple of years younger than us. Yes. Okay, she had a previous amazing career with a band called Chairlift. I really like Caroline Politics music, like, okay? This is not about the music. in Chairlift. Yes. Sorry, not her tangent. Yes. I loved Chairlift. Well, there you go. So, no surprise, she's an amazing voice. She, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, Heart, You're Hurting My Feelings is one of my favorite songs of the last 10 years or whatever. She was wearing an outfit, Emer, that the hot girls would have been wearing when we were 18. Oh, dear. She was wearing jeans, mm-hmm. baggy jeans, mm-hmm. with one of those, like, crochet kind of scarves tied around the waist at an angle remember this she was wearing a wide belt slung low on the hips and she was wearing a crocheted like vesty bodysuit top it was exactly exactly what the hot thin girls were wearing when we were 18 why why would anyone our age who has lived through those trends once Involve themselves in them yeah, again. Like, I get the in two K two three. I get the the younger Gen Z, you know, embracing me too. 90s absolutely fashion. have two thousands fashion. We're now, but absolutely why two K it up, bitches? Like it's it's not your history. But why would an adult woman of our age go back there willingly and perpetuate the resurgence of these trends? It's I just couldn't forgive it. I couldn't forgive it. Also, mm. I didn't like her eyeliner, and and it was just it was too distracting. <laughs> Talk about so hot you're hurting my feelings, Caroline. I had had a drink (laughs) or two. It was very late in the evening. And um, yes. Okay, well, listen, that's her cancelled. But that's (laughs) (laughs) that's just personally where I was at that moment. Um, Okay, let's talk about Schofield because I actually, guys, it was just completely remiss of me to not talk about it last week. About an hour after I uploaded the podcast, I went, (gasps) Schofield! Well, I mean, the thing is, this has filled... So much, so many pages, so many yeah. internet, like, headlines, this and that. And, like, I know it's a big deal, but what it has boiled down it to is Holly Willoughby's statement when she returned this morning and everyone taking the piss going, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, that's what I Get find really it. weird. It's like, it was a really big deal. Everybody was like, this is a huge big deal. It's a huge big deal. It's a huge big deal. And then when Holly Willoughby acted like it was a big deal, everybody was like, oh, my God, Holly, come on. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So she had been off. So basically, Philip Schofield, he was he 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 was gone from this morning, you know, at the end Overnight. of May. Yeah. And everyone was like, what's going on? It's because his brother was, you know, up in court and all of this kind of thing. And it was like, what is actually going on? And yeah. then it has since emerged that he had had a relationship with a younger staff member who worked on this morning, who he had known since this person was a teenager. Fifteen. And has like strongly said nothing illegal ever happened, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, it's really not a good look. No. And the main, it mainly comes down to the power imbalance. Exactly. Um, so that, it turns out that seems to be really what the problem was. And him and Holly were falling out. And then it emerged that, you know, she had asked him, did this ever happen? And he said no. And he lied to her. I mean, obviously there's loads more to it than that that we yeah. will probably never know. But, but this is what he said in his vape-wielding interview in with his, the BBC. Yeah, when it, wielding his last Mary. Exactly. Like, it was the only thing he had left. And I mean, he, listen, like re, I didn't actually watch his interview, but listen, reading the quotes, like the, some of them were quite hard to read. No, I watched like, it. And, and I'll tell you where I came down on it. Um, I felt like he has a point. Because his point basically was, this is 
way too much for what happened. Yeah. Um, he said, it's it's really not fair to the other person involved in this. Yeah. Like, he is just a normal person. He's never been on TV. He wanted to work behind the scenes. And now, all of a sudden, his life is up for grabs. And everybody is analyzing him and discussing him. And that's not fair. It's impacted him massively and his family. And all of that is really unfair. And he also talked about the personal impact of the whole thing yeah. on him. Which, there it can be no getting away from the fact that it has been incredibly difficult for him. And yeah. he likened himself to Caroline Flack, which, to be honest, I didn't love. But then, mm. also, you know, the reality is Caroline Flack did get an awful lot of shit for yeah. having a relationship with Harry Styles yeah. which is not entirely different to what happened here you and know? then her relationships were subsequently like analyzed within analyzed an inch of their life the microscope yeah. and yeah. so you know actually making the comparison is fair I think even though it was a bit kind of stomach churning to watch um, and you know the points that he was making are valid mm -hmm. like he said look this was wrong it was wrong he accepts that it was wrong there was a power imbalance and um but you know nothing illegal happened he did lie about it which was wrong as well and obviously he put people in an awkward position he he, he has owned up to everything yeah. and you know the real question is if there's never been anything else and he swears there hasn't you know there's no no other gremlins in the closet yeah. or whatever skeletons in the closet you know if there is nothing else then it does seem like to me actually I'll be honest, I feel like there is an undercurrent of homophobia in some of the conversation around this. Yeah, yeah, because I, I would agree. Because I think if it had been Eamon Holmes, say, and a younger woman, an of age younger woman, yeah. I don't think it would have been this big a deal. I think that the idea, this kind of leads into a lot of the... I think it would have been more the, kind of ho, 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 aim, like, I, I think it, there would have been more like jocularity around it yeah. rather than this kind of like, ugh, Philip Schofield. Well, it kind of leans into the homophobic and what has now become also a transphobic ideal that like, you know, gay people are, are linked to pedophilia yeah. more than other people or, you know. Yeah. That's my personal take. I do think that there is a flavor of that in here. But as I just said, you know, Caroline Flack also got shit for dating Harry Styles and, and frankly deserved. Like yeah. it wasn't appropriate. It was it was an inappropriate thing. But yeah, it's just it's just there's something unsavory about it. I'm not like Team Philip or anything, but I do mm. think it's been a lot. Yeah, I think it's been a lot. And then so Holly then came back to this morning after having kind of a long, longer break than anticipated for kind of the mid, you know, the kids midterm or whatever. And then she came back. Um, was it just this Monday yeah. morning with this prepared statement and she was wearing white and she was clutching the hand of Josie Gibson who was sitting in with her on this morning that morning and she was like first of all are you okay? It was to that. The audience. It was that bit. It was and that from bit. From then That's on, the it was just like, give me a break. I think if she hadn't done that, are yeah. you okay? Thing, it would have been fine because yeah. she really was just like, look, it's been tough. Like I think if she'd been, if she, if it had felt a little less rehearsed and a little mm -hmm. more genuine, and she had said essentially what she said, which is, this has been really difficult. Yeah. But like you know, we love this show and we're going to keep going. Yeah. And you know, we're all in it together. It was kind just, of vibe. It was very like. It felt fake, and it was just like I. Obviously, this morning has its diehard fans who watch it start to finish every morning. But it's more of a show that people dip in and out of. Yeah. It's a show people probably watch on catch up. They share a lot of stuff on YouTube. So to it to imply that everyone watching was like, oh, thank God Holly's back on our screens. The country is safe. Mm. It was just a bit like, get over yourselves. Well, I think what's interesting is the people who watch, the, I'm sure there aren't, people lots of people actually I'd say people who spend a lot of time at home mm -hmm. you know for whom good morning Britain is that what it's called Jesus sorry mm. I just this morning good morning um, Britain feels yeah like that's a different show that, um, I think it's this morning Jesus, Piers Morgan might be involved in or something. <laughs> um 
this morning is, I know, would be actually quite a significant part of pe- a lot of people's yeah, lives. Okay, I think yeah. people who aren't necessarily plugged into the internet who still watch TV in a kind of traditional way. Yeah. Older people, you know, who who their yeah. routine goes by the TV. I mean, I've been that person yeah. at times when I've been sick. And you I know, think that's who, I think that is who, who they she was were talking, talking to. to. But I think they thought that everyone yeah. felt that way rather than that smaller cohort well also I think which was a good point that was made by actually Lindsay on uh, Who Weekly Mm. why are my I should be Who Weekly need to be paying me the amount of times (laughs) I refer to that fucking (laughs) podcast which I adore Um, but Lindsay made the point that like there's probably a lot of people watching who actually aren't even in on what's been going on because so much of it has taken place online Yeah. so if you are someone who doesn't really spend that much time online like an older person or whatever not that older people don't you know there's a lot of older people who do spend a lot of time online but if you're someone who doesn't spend a lot of time online and watches this morning every day you were probably like what, what? <laughs> what's happening yeah why is she being so dramatic yeah but anyway. I mean obviously it was memed to death there were a lot of tweets a lot of funny tweets a mm. lot of you know David Baddiel who is you know a UK comic he wouldn't be my favorite man in the world no, now but he uh came out with um I genuinely thought she was talking to them behind the camera before realizing that, of course, she was talking to us, the great British deeply traumatized by everything that's happened on an ITV morning show public. Mm. Like that is kind of what I was getting at there. And then there were some kind of more cutting, you know, if I didn't have prior intel, um, because of her nauseating childlike tone and delivery, I could have easily assumed that Philip Schofield vandalized and defecated in the Blue Peter Garden. And like that does kind of get to yeah. the core of it. It's yeah. like, yeah, like did he drop trow in front of some children on live television and, you know, take, yeah, you know, do a big job in the Blue Peter Garden? Well, it is what you said at the start. It's that conflict of like the tone of the story has been, oh my God, this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal. Or what we've been told is this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal. And then, you know she came back and was like, this is a huge deal. But then everybody was like, no, it's not a big deal. So it's kind of, I don't know. I think it's a perfect illustration actually of the way stories go now online and in the media in general. I feel like we've said a lot there that you might disagree with, um, which is wonderful. We'd love to hear your perspectives. So if you have a take, don't forget to send a voicemail to 089-209-6423. That's 089-209-6423. I would love to hear your thoughts on this and indeed any of the other stories that we've discussed. You've had quite the week. How are you? I think I understand how Caroline Flack felt. Before I let you go, I need to uh, let Emer talk a little bit about her specialist subject, which is Harry Styles at Slane. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I've been waiting for this Saturday for a long time. Yeah. Even though I only saw Harry Styles in the Aviva last yeah. June. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited, not really looking forward to the journey there and back, mm. but um, Louise Bruton, who has an amazing substack, um, she is a disabled writer and writes a lot about access to mm-hmm. gigs, pubs, clubs, that kind of thing. She did an amazing rundown. She was at, so before big gigs like this, venues always invite journalists and yeah. have to come and visit the site and this see the setup, yeah, yeah. the guards and whatever, whatever. So she actually did an amazing rundown, mm. not only useful for those who have access problems, but for everyone who's going. And mm. I think it's free on her Substack, which is legless in Dublin, but it has just loads of information that probably wouldn't be in the usual kind of, you know, Harry's at Clane tomorrow. Here's what you need to know. Yeah. Um, Articles that we've both written many times. Oh, many, many, (laughs) many times. Um. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. 
You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.